Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Ladies and gents, you guys are listening to Nickish. You got your boy Mo and Nafi here on this September 19th, 2021 episode of the show. We're still technically on season three, but you know, this episode is going to be a lot about the upcoming season. And we're so excited to bring this episode to you. It's been a minute, but we got a lot to cover today. How you doing, man? How you feeling today? I'm feeling feeling all right. You know what I mean? I feel like I always got to hesitate a bit before you ask that question. So I don't know whether to just answer normally or just like get real existential philosophical with it. But I feel like, you know, we good. We here. Like you said, it's been a minute, but a lot to catch up on. Um, Happy to be back. Just uh, talking next with my boy. You know what I mean? How's everything with you? Good. I feel like we could have another episode and expand on those first five seconds of what you just said. But, oh yeah, we, we you want you want the, the, the Nickish philosophy hour? Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe make that a spinoff. But before we get there, let's talk about the act. What what the people been waiting for? And that's some some Knicks chatter, some Knicks combo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or I don't know. You uh, you let me know what what other groundbreaking bits of news have hit the timeline, hit hit the airwaves recently that we I should mean, probably put at the forefront. I mean, there. I feel like there was some news that came out that just sent shockwaves throughout the entire NBA and through mm-hmm. NBA history on on what happened. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it re- reverberated around the globe, really. An international incident, one could say. You know what I mean? Like, like, like the type of shit that makes everyone stop down their tracks and they're on their phones and start showing their phones to everyone else. See, like, the fuck is you see what the fuck is going on here? They put up I mean, on TV. Bro. You know what I mean? Bro. Like. I don't know if I don't know if stories got TV like that anymore, where they show it on screens like that the way they do in movies. But for this case, it happened. You walk down the streets and it's everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. And what right. the fuck just happened? <laughs> you know. I mean, I'm for for one thing. I bet you like this was breaking news on Dallas news stations. Mark Cuban mm-hmm. got the clout like that. You know what I mean? So for folks that haven't picked up on our wild amounts of sarcasm i feel like we try to make it as obvious as possible like no no some no no real shit really happened like that honestly if you were <laughs> unless we talk about politics or whatever but we'll get into that another time but we're obviously talking about frankie smokes as he's you know collectively known by knicks fans or i mean i don't know i feel like that shit that name took off and it was kind of corny to me i never really like liked it that much but you know a lot of folks know him as frankie smokes but regardless that might have been the Maverick first now yeah, that, that might be the first time we mentioned that name on our podcast. I don't think we've ever called him Frankie Smokes. I hated that name. No, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever, no, Frank, gets... Frank Nilakina, a.k.a. Frankie Smokes, a.k.a. a.k.a. the French Prince, who we New York Knicks fans dubbed him as, is now a Dallas Maverick. So basically what happened was uh, he was the, the guy to lock down one Luka Doncic, arguably the next <laughs> great player after LeBron James. Um and basically, I don't know if you remember this episode of The Office when um, Mike made probably Mike, uh, Michael Scott made one of his best business decisions. There was that guy. What, what was his name? He um, Dwight and uh, Jim really didn't like this guy because they saw him. They're like, "Fuck, this guy's gonna take all of our clients." 
You might remember which <laughs> I was talking about the the the, the handsome ass guy who they oh, ended right, up right. The, who the, Michael the at, salesman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So instead of trying to beat him, Mike just hired him, and he said at the end of the, at the end of the episode, he's like, you know, we can't beat him. So what did I end up doing? I ended up hiring him. So now he's mine, and now I can yeah. do whatever, and no one's gonna beat you know, Thunder Mifflin anymore. Exactly. So or that's round it back to basketball though. It's like when Kobe was like, "Nah, I'm gonna have Matt Barnes. I'm gonna have Ron Artest. I'm mm-hmm. gonna have Roger Bell on my squad. Or I'm gonna try to recruit these guys because they're all pain in my ass, but I want them on my side." Or exactly. I like to picture that it was kind of like a re- recreation of like the moment that you, you heard the, the the famous story after the '09 Finals. Kobe's in the shower, just like head down, just, just devastated. Then he looks up. Who does he see standing in the doorway? Mr. Ron Artest. <laughs> You heard this story, right? He's just like, yeah. Yo, you need me. <laughs> so I'm thinking just like after after, after Luca, what was it? He was playing for Slovenia in the Olympics. After they yeah. didn't obviously get a medal, the French prince, Mr. Silver Medalist, Frank, Frank comes into the locker room and he's like, you need me in Dallas, brother. <laughs> you see what I just did? You see we just won sec- like silver medal? You need me. And then boom, uh, that's how we got Frankie, the, Fr- the French prince of Dallas, apparently. You see the audacity of them to post that? Like, get your own material. Come on now. For real. But I'm happy for Frank, though. That's some real shit. Like, for a while, it was looking spooky. Just as folks that are like, both you and I being like part of the Frank fan club, it was not looking good that our boy was unemployed this whole time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, I'm happy he got an opportunity. I think it's just a training camp deal. So I, ho- I hope he actually makes the roster. I don't mm-hmm. actually wish good things for Dallas as a whole because obviously we have their pick. But, you know, I think it would be good if Frank made the roster because I do like his fit with Luca uh, on, on a serious note. Yeah, I think everyone wants to see the guy at least play, or at least have an NBA contract to move forward. We don't want to see this kid go back to Europe and play for whatever French league that they got over there, or end up in China or some shit. He's not. He's not at that point. He he has too much to offer an NBA team to go down that route. Um, so if he if he is on Dallas, if he ends up getting that contract, you already know what's gonna happen when Dallas shows up at MSG. He's gonna get chanted for. He's gonna get a giant ovation once. You know, what, who's the coach now? Kid, Jason Kidd's the coach. Oh yeah, he is. If he Damn. if he decides to put Frank in and you know give the give the New York Knicks fan a little you know some some to to cheer for if they decide to do that probably not. Um, in any case, it would be dope to see Frank come back. I don't know, bro. I mean, Frank had what like three four coaches on the Knicks. I think we were looking at kid, bro. Like here are some of the stories that came out just about his tenure in, in Milwaukee, how toxic he was. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about. I'm not that you just met your kid as a coach there. I'm just worried about our boy Frank. You know what I mean? Like, but we'll see. You know, if not. I was always under the impression that, like, if he, if worst case, he just go to Utah with his his French homie Gobert, and apparently he's mad cool with Donovan Mitchell too. So if the Dallas opportunity don't work out, you know, you know, Nick South, as we like to call him, you know, Porzingis, Tim Hardaway, is Trey Burke still there? Maybe. Reggie Bullock so. is there mm-hmm. <laughs> now. So I mean, shoot, like, Dallas must have been scouting KP for a minute. If like literally our entire roster from that period is with KP right. now, like, what the hell? Um. <laughs> But yeah, no. Yeah. Hats off to Frankie just for getting a job because you know employment is good in, in this current climate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Indeed, indeed. Uh, but no, nah, onto obviously we haven't obviously put an episode out since like I think our eulogy for the season, right? And obviously mm-hmm. we were, we were still stinging coming off of a, a tough five game series uh, loss to Atlanta, and we had talked about Milwaukee. I think big moments with them, but yeah, yeah, no doubt. And um, but no, nah, since then you know the off season came and went. It's pretty much settled down, obviously, beside this groundbreaking Frankie move. But the Knicks was active, bro, and uh, we was we, we couldn't uh, provide our, our live kind of, like, reaction to it. But we did, obviously, speak amongst ourselves. And 
yeah, you want to do it, you want to provide the, the listeners, those that are probably already aware, but it's always good to kind of set the table. Like, what, what's the, I guess, the rundown or the moves we made this offseason, draft included, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a little hazy on what, what the order was, especially with this kind of season uh, where so much happened at the same time. But in general, the, the Knicks had a very solid draft. They had a ton of different moves that they tried doing to move up, move back down and make some trades, get some future picks. But in general, um, the summary of that draft is they came away with two two players in the first round. Um, I forget. if Was Miles McBride in the first round or the second nah, round? No, he was the second round. Grimes, he was, he was so second round. Right, round right, right. Right. We did have that, 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 that first round pick, but we traded to Charlotte. So I thought I liked that move. Most, yeah. uh, most fans seem to be split on it, but I like the move of like picking up a future asset. But yeah, go mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah, yeah. Quinn Grimes and Miles McBride. And we'll we'll get deeper into those two guys in a little bit. Uh, came away with both players. Very solid um, when we were putting together our our draft. And we didn't really put out an episode for our draft analysis. We, um, you know, we still did our homework and we still had notes ready, ready to go for an episode, uh, which didn't happen. Um, but... You know, Miles McBride. Miles McBride is one of those players I was targeting for that I wanted the Knicks to target, especially after I saw Tibbs put on, uh, you know, a kind of a memo that he liked the kid and he he likes that kind of player to be on his team. Uh, Quentin Grimes honestly wasn't really in my radar, um, but after seeing how he played in summer league, I I love him. I, I'm I think he'll be a great fit for the team, and honestly, any team in the NBA he could fit as long as he progresses in that kind of trajectory. Um, so again, we'll get deeper into those. So we drafted those two guys off-season free agency. We got very solid pickups with Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier. Mm-hmm. Um, we re-signed Randall to a hundred seventeen million dollar four-year contract, major. Um, major. And you know we lost out on Reggie Bullock, which is you know again we'll get into that another time. And that's that's really the major ones. Did I did I miss anything? I mean, we brought back you know. Nerlens, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks. The Noel re-signing was probably the most surprising, and in general, we uh, just the re-signing or the way the kind of re-signing news trickled out. You know, you could tell that like I was okay with it at first when like we all thought it was just like three-year contracts, but then obviously the real news came out where boom, it's just two-year contracts with a team option for all these re-signings: D Rose, Noel, and Mm -hmm. uh, Burks, which is major in terms of flexibility and just like has that stamp from Brock Aller on it. You know what I mean? Mr. Mr. Cap Guru, Mr. Cap Nerd. And, yeah, I mean, I thought just, like, the initial, I guess, anger towards those re-signings was misguided. And then it was confirmed misguided, obviously, when, like, the Kemba news really dropped. And um, that obviously came out of nowhere. It was kind of like Kemba became a footnote in the offseason because, like, after, like, at the draft, he got traded to OKC with a pick. His contract was that toxic to Boston at the time. They traded their 16th overall pick to OKC for Al Horford's bad contract. You know what I mean? So it, it, it was a straight-up salary dump. And I feel like as, like, the rumors were swirling around the offseason, particularly with the Knicks, Kemba, like, as has been covered in other places, but he f- kind of fell by the wayside, boom homecoming just out the blue you know what i mean that really that really was a dope thing and on on another note it came like the day after the the verses at msc uh, between dipset and the locks mm-hmm. big fire yeah. two days as a new yorker <laughs> yeah bro. right that, like the, the morale was on another level so i, I think so going into i think we did our recap but we we want to make this like a rapid fire kind of question and answer where like we had yes, a, a certain set of questions we was going to go both back and forth on that could serve as really just as like both an off-season review or a recap and also just like a preview of the season to come, which 
you know, it's knocking on the door, right? It's like less than a month away for a uh, um, training training camp. No, training camp and, is like basically in two weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, season starts October 19th. That's exactly a month from now. Since we're recording yep. right now, September 19th. So, yeah, if you want to get into it, I think the first big question we had, I'm going to throw it at you after the beautiful rundown you did, by the way. Oh, appreciate <laughs> um, it. Much appreciated. You know me, yo, ain't no such thing as Russ. It's like riding a bike, right? Um, <laughs> but let me ask you, of all the moves we just kind of listed and that have been, you know, uh, obviously have happened for, with, from the Knicks, what was the best one from, from your vantage point, from your view? Well, I, I like that you brought up those two days uh, for how New York was with the versus battle and, you know, Kemba Walker. Because also within those two days was my favorite move and I think what the best offseason move was. And that was re signing Julius Randle for his prime mm. 27, ages 27 mm. to 32 for a four year, $117 million contract. Because when he signed, he made it clear that he's re signing because he loves the organization. He loves the fans. He loves the work, and he lo- he wants his prime to be in New York, and he wants to do it for the <clears> Knicks. <throat> and for us Knicks fans who've been, you know, going through this process of losing out on stars and not getting them, and no one wants to be on the Knicks, and that was kind of a narrative that ESPN, other media outlets, kind of put out there that no one wants to join the Knicks. They keep striking out on free agency. The the level of you know enthusiasm you have to feel as a Knicks fan when Randall and Kemba both you know, at least former All-Stars and stars today um, want to sign with the Knicks, want to be here, and are appreciative of that fact, that that goes, you know, a, a distance. And probably the biggest thing of, of all with Randall signing is that it brings together, finally, Knicks continuity. And that's mm-hmm. something that we just never have, whether a coach is being fired or whether someone, you know, someone who was supposed to be a big piece on the team was traded or, you know, we don't re-sign a rookie, or, you know, there there's so many reasons for not having continuity, and Randall re- being re-signed is a factor of that. And then you see Burks, Rose, Noel, all coming back to, you know, run this back. Um, you see you see the young rookies from last season, IQ and OB, playing Summer League, and they're stepping it up. There's, there's a level of continuity that I, I can't remember the last time we had. Even after the 2013 season, though, all those veterans retired. And that we, we lost on it. And I want to say 2016, 17, that, that was a f- okay, solid team. And then we ended up trading those guys for, you know, we tried, we, we traded Robin Lopez for D Rose and D Rose stayed for a season and Noah, Joakim Noah got injured and, you know, whatever. We finally have a level of continuity where we're going to have a similar team that should be improved for, I want to say the third season in a row now. And mm. we're, we're only ready to take that next step. So, even with Kemba signing and Fournier signing, and even Nerlens Noel signing was great, especially after how he played last season. I gotta say, Randall was the best offseason move for the Knicks. I dig that honestly. Like it, it would, it's not my personal like best offseason move, but I definitely see like everything you laid out. Like it's it's all true. You know what I mean? Like it speaks to just the kind of the Leon Rose project, so to speak. When he took over last year, it was really just about reclaiming. Yep. A, a proper reputation for the franchise and reinvigorating the entire franchise with an actual culture. And obviously that starts with the coaching hire with Tibbs, but also comes in with the buy-in from the players. And Julius like kind of led the charge on the player end for the buy-in into what Tibbs is preaching. And Tibbs, I mean, not Tibbs, um, Julius even said like he found out Kenny Payne was in talks to uh, join the staff. He called him immediately. He's like, hey, I get a treadmill in my house. You come train me every day. You know what I mean? Something along those lines. 
And that just speaks to just like the hard work and it really trickled down into the season. And yeah, there are like obvious caveats that people throw out there. You know, it's a COVID season, you know, empty arenas, and then you see his playoff performance. But at the end of the day, he definitely improved to a level that nobody saw coming. Like this time last year, us included, we were talking about like shipping him off in a Kemba like salary dump kind of deal. You know what I mean? Like, yo, we give up three picks and maybe get the Russell Westbrook's bad contract. I don't know. You're going to have to go back and listen to those episodes. But point is, we yeah. were talking nonsense back then about just what Julius' true value could be. And he followed through on it. And the very fact that he put a stamp on the season or he just put a bow on the type of year he had by re-signing, which says a lot in terms of, if you want to frame it as the best, if I were to even like add to your point about being the best move, him taking this deal now at this moment was crazy good for us because he was he could have played out the last year of his existing contract and gotten way more next season, either from us or on the on the market. You know what I mean? So for him to like quote unquote take a pay cut and you know we discussed this previously, but he's what like coming out like not even top thirty in salary. It's like top forty salary. You know what I mean for yeah. an All NBA yeah. player. That, that's a great move. But me personally, if you want to flip it back to the question, I think the best move for me is the Kemba pickup. And there's a lot of questions, obviously, about his health. But when what people, what, what I see a little bit of is just some, some, I guess, confusion about, like, why is Kemba a good uh, fit for the Knicks, but he was getting, you know, clowned on Boston. It's all perspective and value. He was making, like, damn near 40 mil a season with Boston. You know what I mean? And he was their max guy. He was expected to be like the number two option slash number three option with Jalen Brown behind Tatum. For us, we was desperate for a point guard situation. We were in, in, in that moment where he his his signing was announced. It was looking like Dennis Schroeder, Mister uh, Mister fumbled the bag, was going to be the best option for us. But then, boom, the news comes out. He got a he got bought out, and he immediately picked the Knicks. And he I think he gave up like twenty mil to OKC to make that jump. And it says a lot that he would even give up that amount of money. One, he's obviously giving it up because he didn't want to be in Oklahoma City. But also, he gave up that money because he wanted to come to our franchise. And he spoke to it at the press conference where he thought, like in 2019, he was going to come to New York when it looked like we were going to get like another star to come with him. And it didn't happen. So he wanted to, for him to come to New York, for him to have that homecoming, he wanted to ensure that the culture and the team was right. And that plays into what you, what your point about Julius was. All that was, the, the table was set for Kemba to make this return. And that's to me why it's the best move because he fits a need, major need. You know what I mean? Obviously, the point guard, pick and roll creator, somebody that could take that pressure and be a release valve for Julius because you go back to the Atlanta Hawks series, bro. I, it, the Alfred Payton, the less you say about him, the better, especially since he's like, I don't even know where he is right now. Is he back in Phoenix, China? Kentucky. I have no idea what his man is. I'm gonna look it up while you while you keep going. Yeah, but but I mean that's just my point. It's just like to me, Kemba's. It's just both sentimentally. Obviously, it's been it, like we're talking about that homecoming, the Bronx homecoming. That's what makes it an amazing move. But also just basketball wise, he's he's what 31. Uh, he's not past his prime, and yeah, there are questions about his health, his knees. But it's different for him being on a nine million or eight million dollar salary and him being on a 37, 38 million dollar salary in Boston. You know what I mean? And for us, it, what makes the situation even better, he's here, he's going to be splitting time with, with D-Rose, who ran out of gas, obviously, last year. But now we got both these guys that can make up 48 minutes with IQ, 48 minutes of great point guard play, you know what I mean? Or really good point guard play. And I think, to uh, to me, that's the best move. But I'm not going to quibble with, like, Julius resigning, because, to me, that was also another great, like, you know, 
way to kind of close out the offseason. Yeah. No, I'm I'm 100% with you. I think that 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 would have been my second favorite move of the season and the curious part is there's so many, you know, again, media outlets that called in okay signing, which I I don't, I don't get that at all. You know, two-year, eight million dollar contract each season, so sixteen mil. Yeah. Um, I think the third year is not guaranteed. He, he got a third year. Um, I thought it was just two years flat. No, or hold on, I thought it was. Yeah, two year, two year, sixteen mil, two year, sixteen mil contract, and you know, for a guy who's coming off of weak knees, he's playing. He's gonna play with the guy who's probably the most famous one, uh, who you know didn't have great knees and could have had a level of potential that's. Out of this world for in, in D Rose and D Rose was probably the third most important player on the team last season and was probably the best player on the team in the playoffs. Um, splitting time with him and learning how he rehabs, how he you know does his workouts is going to do wonders for Kemba and Kemba's a better shooter than D Rose Facts. and that's that's going to do wonders for the Knicks and he's a willing shooter, something that the Knicks did not have and desperately need in the playoffs. So. With Kemba Walker, and dude, we we were ready to sign this guy to a max contract two seasons ago. Most guys would give their left nut to have Kemba Walker two seasons ago when we didn't get KD and Kyrie. <laughs> and now we're getting him at a bargain yeah. of the price. And, dude, if, if it were two seasons ago and we knew that we'd get him two years later on an 8 mil contract at the age of 31, that's that's a home run to me. Facts. And Facts. so, you know, Kemba Walker, homecoming. I don't want to do the whole homecoming narrative kind of thing because – you know he's not he's not the superstar player that he once was, but he could be an All Star caliber player this season, at least in limited minutes. Um, but sticking to Kemba Walker, that brings up our next rapid question. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back to you um, with regards to to Kemba Walker because you mentioned Alfred Payton, who is in fact a Phoenix Sun now. Yeah. Uh, him and Reggie Bullock were, you know, say say what you want to say about those two guys. The Knicks had a top five defense. Uh, throughout the entire season and they were both starters on the team and Kemba Walker and another name Evan Fournier that we mentioned aren't really known for their defense now when it comes to Fournier and Kemba Walker who are going to be probably going to be starting for the team at the one and the and probably the three for Fournier do we have an actual cause for worry about a significant drop off in our defense when they are the guys that replace St. Peyton and more importantly Reggie Bullock what do you think I think it's an interesting question to bring up, and it's a fair one. Obviously, like uh, our success was driven not only just by Julius's evolution into just a point forward, a bully ball point forward, but also just Tibbs coming in and doing what Tibbs does. Just uh, he has his concepts, he has his foundations for what a defense should look like, and he drills your, the roster to follow through on those foundations and principles to the point where everybody bought in. And our defense continuously throughout the season, despite what the nerds out there was like saying, they're like, oh, it's fluky. The three-point defense is fluky, blah, blah, blah. It happened for a season. It's not a fluke. You know what I mean? I don't give a shit what these nerds t- talk about. You know what I mean? Like, just our defense literally at a simple level was designed for those open threes. But get back to my point. I'm going off on a tangent. But to that question, when you talk about just the, the defense falling off, it's a fair question, but I don't think we need to worry because I also feel like, to the upgrade, it's a major upgrade. No matter what you say, Pey- Peyton and Bullock to Fournier and Kemba, um, especially with Fournier, because uh, some phone, some fans or uh, maybe a lot of fans aren't really as familiar with him, but he'll give you the shooting Bullock does. But to a conversation you and I had prior, 
Bullock doesn't give you much with it when you take away his spot-up ability. You know what I mean? Fournier can put her on the floor, be a playmaker, be like basically that 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 Greg Popovich Spurs model of what a good rotation player is. They, he can shoot, he can pass, he can dribble. And when you have that, when you can have like that that five of those guys or four of those guys and a big man like Mitch, the ball will be spinning around. You know what I mean? Where like it, it'll it should move a lot better once they're all comfortable with each other. But to the point about the defense. Yeah, I think I could see a drop off for sure. Like we were what top five, top like whatever. But I think we could maintain top ten status, top fifteen at worst, while also fielding like a really good offense. You know what I mean? And I feel like that balance will be kind of key to a better season. And we may not be a top three seed because you know maybe at a future episode we talk about how how the East has improved, but. I think we'll look like a better team efficiency-wise in terms of offensive rating and defensive rating. But, but yeah, I do expect maybe a drop-off. But, you know, you brought up something about just Bullock's defense. I'm going to throw it to you. But I think fans were kind of overrating his impact. Like, he's like, you know, to quote or to mention a name I dropped previously, it was like Pete fans writing like he was Ron Artest out there when he was just really more of a cog in the defensive system. But I feel like you've got some thoughts on that. But I'll throw the question back at you. Like, is there – should we be worried about the drop off? I'm thinking not, but uh, I, I'm also thinking not nah too. Cause I, I was a little surprised when you said drop down to even top fifteen. I don't think Fournier's defense is going to be that detrimental where we'll drop, you know, maybe ten slots. But I'm just looking at the minutes per game that he played, that Bullock played last season was thirty minutes per game. It's not like he was our lockdown defender of the team where he was. Um, absolutely needed i i think no individual performance was more important than the entire team's defense mm-hmm. and there's a reason why you know none of our guys were really in the all defensive team conversation even even though i thought noel should have been um in any case we have a coach who's known as one of the best defensive coaches you know in the last couple of decades at least and in tom thibodeau and there's a reason why the knicks who pretty much had the same kind of lineup from the previous season went from a bottom tier defense, you know, bottom 10 to a top five defense with pretty much the same players um, with an addition of Nerlens Noel, who was huge, admittedly, <coughs> but Noel didn't make that much of an impact where they move up 20 slots. So I think it's really the Tom Thibodeau effect that made the Knicks defense the way it was uh, this past season. So Thanks. I think Fournier with all the offense that he's going to be bringing to the table, and Kemba Walker, especially when you compare Kemba to Alfred Payne, who has a zero or even a negative on offense, that 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 plus minus Alfred Payne's defense wasn't that critical. Bullock's defense was nice, but if you if you do like you know an offense to defense kind of comparison at, or as a net plus, Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker, I, I'm I'm not going to pretend to do the math here, but it's going to be a, a much higher plus than those two guys. Yeah with the defense that they're bringing, especially with Reggie Bullock's offense. It was it was just spot-up shooting. We saw in the playoffs when he's not shooting from, you know, catch and shoot, he can't do anything. The man can't dribble. The man can't, like, take two steps with the ball, but Fournier can. He can he can do dribble pull-ups. He can do catch and shoot. He can do corner threes. You name the kind of three-pointer shot that there is in the NBA, and Fournier can do it and more. Facts. Um, and, like, to, your, and I to think, that point, even, uh, yeah, go ahead. just to interject with, like, kind of an uh, addition to your point, just, like, people talk about, like, the two-man game between Bullock and Julius. We could see a better two-man game with Fournier and Julius because Fournier can do so much more to your point. Like, it could also be yeah. a situation where Julius can finally be a role man in our system now. I don't know, like, obviously Tibbs isn't really Mr. Offensive Innovation, but I think there'll be more opportunity with 
Fournier as a ball handler to get Julius involved in the pick and roll and pick and pop a little more than Reggie would have. Because Reggie, it was just like the two man game, it was nice when it was working, but they took it away during the playoffs. But in the regular season, it looks great, right? Where like Reggie passes it to Julius, Julius passes it back to Reggie, he's in the corner, beautiful, you know what I mean? But it's just almost like I don't want to make, I don't want to shit on Reggie because I, I liked him, I thought he was solid, but it was almost like the Steve Novak effect where. He's great in the regular season, but he could so easily be taken out in the playoffs. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's basically what it was. But I'm gonna throw it back to you to just finish off your point. Yeah, yeah. Defense on this on the Knicks team, it's not like we have Kawhi Leonard yeah. or Paul George on our team. We have we have all around team defense, and that's why we we made it to the top five. And I think honestly, I, I I we should be expecting a top ten defensive team, even if there is a slight drop off. I don't think the the Reggie Bullock kind of effect is gonna really drop the Knicks defense down by that much. Um, and then the offensive upgrade, bro, to like add to even uh, to on the Peyton side of things, bro. You talk about Peyton being a, a, an obstacle on the offense. It's like literally going into a boxing match and like right before you step in the ring when, when, when they announce like, oh, starting lineup, Peyton, Reggie, RJ, Julius, Mitch. It's like right before a boxing match, like, you know, right before the fucking boxer steps in the ring, they fucking cut off his his left arm. Like that, that's, that's the equivalent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So with, with uh, the upgrade from Peyton it's it's like night and day offense you know what I mean we don't need to touch on Kemba versus Alfred Payton he was trash bro (laughs) bro we don't need and then his defense is overrated I'm not gonna get into more more of that but his defense is hella overrated people was acting like he was Gary Payton you know what I mean word and just real quick Kemba Walker's offense and defense I I mean was Kemba really known as that much of a negative on defense not really but if need be he'll have RJ Barrett on as a number two to take on that the Simon to guard the best guard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Kemba doesn't necessarily have to exactly. do that. And like last point on that, and then we'll get into our next rapid fire because we've got a couple more. You know what I mean? Obviously a lot's happening in the off season, but to that point about Kemba being part of an elite defense, it's happened before. In Charlotte with, with, with current Tibbs best friend, Steve Clifford, when he was a coach, mm. he, mm-hmm. tur- he turned a, a starting lineup with Al Jefferson and Kemba Walker into a top tier defense, top five ish, if my memory recalls. And those, these people that are listening Crazy. right now, you can go ahead and go look that up. That's a fact. Steve Clifford knew how to coach. And Steve Clifford is like, like people can't see, but I'm crossing my fingers. He's like this with tips. They're best buds. You know what I mean? So it's obvious Fournier and Kemba, both who have been coached by Steve Clifford in uh, Charlotte and Orlando, respectively. Tibbs obviously weighs his friend's insight a good bit. You know what I mean? I wouldn't even be surprised yeah. as a conspiracy theorist for Clifford to come join the staff sometime soon before the season starts. That would be mm-hmm. fine. But in regards to that, I think Tibbs saw the blueprint on how to build a defense with, with both those guys, and he knows what to do going in, and him being the tape grinder that he is. We might not be, you know, like top three, top four, whatever we was this past season, but we're gonna, I think we're obviously we're going to be a better team, uh, good health mm-hmm. permitting. But – Let's move on. Obviously, there's a lot to happen. And you mentioned at the top, we had we brought in some rookies. Um, McBride, Grimes, and we also uh, picked an overseas uh, overseas stash, I think, right? A Rokas, Jokubaitis, whatever, whatever the hell. He played a little bit in the <laughs> Summer League. But if that yeah. pronunciation is completely off, sue me. But he won't be spending time with us <laughs> this season. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I sincerely oh, do apologize if that pronunciation was off. You know, uh, <laughs> we both been there. I just want to. I just one time. I just want to say Tipsy a lot his name. <laughs> Rockus, because <laughs> he fucked up. <laughs> Rockus, <laughs> ice. All right. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Up, up, so we got Deuce McGride. Um, 
and Grimes. And before we talk about this next question, I do want to say that early on in the draft coverage, they were two of the earliest names mentioned before a lot of like the reports came out of who the Knicks were working on, who we were interested in. Early on, the initial reports did mention Miles McBride and Quentin Grimes as two names that Tibbs is in the front office is fond of. And then what happened? A few weeks later, once like the news cycle is kind of like settled and other names have been thrown out there, we we ended up with the names that were we were tied to from the beginning. Similar to last year, honestly, with the uh, Obi, you know, like a lot of rumors ended up with uh, these guys. But the question here really is, who do you think is more likely to be actually part of the rotation? Going off of what we seen in summer league, going off what the roster looks like, Quentin Grimes, uh, I think we picked him twenty fifth, or Deuce McBride, who I think we had selected at thirty sixth. But yeah, who do you think is actually going to be uh, more likely to be part of the rotation this season? Yeah, it's an interesting question because they're both 21-year-old rookies. So they're not the youngest guys mm-hmm. that we've seen come out as, as rookies. Um, just a couple of stats on these two guys to to give some some narrative. Miles McBride is, has a three-year, two, uh, three-year, two-years guaranteed contract, about a mil to two mil each, 6'2" known for his on-ball defense and you know a lot of people like to compare him to maybe Drew Holiday as his as a ceiling and Quentin Grimes 64 um also has a contract and also has know, a contract no first, <laughs> yeah I, I don't have the numbers for it so we're going to move forward with that also exists <laughs> he got some he got, he got like a four year he got like a four year something that that first years uh you know first year rookies get in the first round um known for his shooting his hustle and defense we're going to move forward and a lot of people like to compare him to Chris Milton as his uh, kind of ceiling player, mm-hmm. uh, that's NBA champion Chris Milton. Respect. So, what do we know about their coach, their new coach Tom Thibodeau? He loves guys who can shoot, and he loves guys who can play defense. And right now, amongst you know both of those guys, it looks like they can both do it at a fairly adequate level. Deuce wasn't really known for his three point shooting like that, but I think summer league he really showed out um, that he he can indeed have a, a good three point shot. Um, I just think from the rotation wise, um, between those two guys, I probably have to give the edge to Grimes because he's he he's playing a position right now that we're not too deep in right now, especially when we have an up and comer with like IQ playing the one slash two. He'll probably mm. get a, a bulk of those rotation minutes, uh, and obviously we have Kemba and D Rose who are still there, and they're they're I feel like they're gonna be alternating on who's gonna be starting. I don't know if Kemba's gonna be playing all the back and you know back to back games. I don't know what his his condition is right now with his knees, but I mean, in any case, I think um, I was the Knicks are in. deeper. Yeah, just chime in on the yeah. Kemba press conference when a reporter actually asked Kemba, "You can play back to backs?" He just like threw the question right to Tibbs, and Tibbs is like, "He's playing." So just wanted to answer what right. you was uh, putting out there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Appreciate that. Um, I think uh, you know I, I'm thinking back to this old quote. I'm pretty sure it's Tibbs. Um, I think he back in like 2010 or 11 with the Bulls. Um, I forgot which rookie they got. It might have been Doug McDermott, yes. and they and he he was he was you know coming out of college as one of the as scoring the most points in oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. in history. I, like, in, I don't know if it was NCAA history or if it was yeah, college. Yeah. yeah, and I think one of the reporters asked Tibbs like, you know, are you is is Doug going to be getting minutes like that? And I think he says something along the lines of, "You ever see a championship?" where a rookie played most of the minutes and that was basically the answer so we're at the end of the day we know we're not going to be seeing too much of either of these guys Grimes or McBride um 
similar to last year where we didn't really see Obi as much, but we did start seeing IQ as he started developing a little bit more and, and getting more and more confident. Uh, the reason why Grimes and McBride, two, two of the biggest reasons, or one of the biggest reasons why we drafted them is that they're, they're, they're willing shooters, and that's something we didn't have and, de- again, desperately needed in the playoffs last season. I think Quentin Grimes might be more of a willing shooter because he's just a better shooter, mm-hmm. and he has that kind of two-way potential I kind of see him as Mikael Bridges, uh, mm-hmm. as that glue guy who yeah, can, like can just plug in anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and just guard the other team's best wing and be able to shoot and shoot off the dribble, shoot, you know, whenever and however. But right now, uh, in the three, who do we have? We have Fournier. Knox is really not going to be getting those RJ, minutes anymore. Burks, or, you know, that's basically our win Burks, yeah. Right, and RJ's probably going to be doing a bulk of the two. And Burks might even be getting some of the one, especially when we have Kemba Walker and D. Rose playing one. We saw we saw Burks had to play a, a bit of one last season. Um, I think there's, you know, more minutes available to Grimes than there are to McBride. What do you think? Well, to kind of bring it back a bit, the point about Tibbs and just like, that, that hesitancy he showed way back about Doug McDermott. I feel like he's coming around, especially in recent years. And I feel like last year was just like, it, last year was eye-opening in the fact that he gave all our young players, be they Knox, Frank, RJ, Mitch, they, he gave all of them a chance, you know what I mean? They gave him a chance to come in and play. And if they was useless, even Dennis Smith, like gave him a chance, came in, he was hot garbage, he was out of there. You know what I mean? Um, he gave Knox a good, good bit of time, and then Knox was out of the rotation because he wasn't living up to it. And IQ, all be to your point, they they gradually, their minutes uh, extended. RJ was, like, playing the second most minutes for a long time, you know what I mean, being a second-year player. Mitch was, uh, was obviously, he's third year. He's not really a rookie, but he was still a young big man, and big man kind of mature slower than the other players. Even he was getting mad minutes, and it's to his point, he took up the coaching from Tibbs and the staff and, like, became more disciplined in his approach as far as not following as much anymore. But to go back to this question about – I think both will get their chance um, when, when it comes up. And interesting enough, I want to go the opposite way. I think Deuce is more likely to play just because just looking at the point guard rotation, right? Just Kemba and D-Rose. We got to, like, you know, knock on wood. Everything's good and copacetic for them, like, in terms of health. But when the season comes, though, I think there's going to be times where, like, they'll get their programmed rest days or, like, scheduled rest days. But also, like, ticky-tacky injuries will happen to to both of them. And I feel like if we're relying on both those guys to be the bulk of our point guard, like, rotation, injuries will happen. And that's why I think it'll be a situation where McBride will step in and probably be in the rotation for a period of time longer than Grimes would be. Because I'm looking at our wing rotation, Fournier being the big investment, RJ being the young stud that we're grooming, um, that's being groomed by Tibbs, uh, a la Jimmy Butler. And then we got Burks, the solid six-man that came back, who's familiar with the staff, who's cool with Johnny Bryant, who has a, a, a ready-made skill set that's very useful, like creating off-the-dribble shooting. And I think Grimes, you know, he showed a little bit of, like, the off-the-dribble game in Summer League, and it's Summer League, obviously. But I do agree, he's, like, kind of, he was drafted to fit kind of like that prototype of, like, the 3 and D wing. And when you're drafted in the late 20s, you don't go, like, you go for, like, the skill sets that you need. You know what I mean? And, you know, a 3 and D wing in the, in the 20s in the first round is a good investment. And Grimes actually kind of, to take even a bigger step back, he was he came in as a highly touted recruit at high school, right? He was going to Kansas, top, like, four or five-star recruit, whatever the hell it was. 
Then he transferred and he kind of changed his game. I remember at the time, a lot of preliminary scouting reports had him more as like like a playmaker, kind of like wing player, you know what I mean? And then he settled into what he is now, a 3-and-D wing. So you're right. I do think that he, just based off that concept and it's kind of player player models they both are, Grimes would be more likely. But then when you see it in the context of the roster, I personally think McBride is more likely to be part of the rotation just because we've got uh, less stability at the point guard uh, spot in terms of uh, health and injury and age, you know. But with with the thing about Grimes, though, what I keep kind of like harping on in my head is like when Tibbs, when they asked him after the season, hey, what are our team needs for the draft? He was just like, we need shooting and wings. That's what Grimes brings, right? So it's interesting. It's a definitely an interesting question, but I think our 10-man rotation is so set right now that barring injury that none of these young guys will get many minutes at all, you know? Um, which yeah. brings up the next question on our rapid-fire list as we try to go through it. You mentioned IQ. Any concern about his minutes this season within the context of the PG rotation we, I just touched on with, uh, you know, with Bros and Kemba? Any, any worry that he'll, his minutes won't even really increase at all? Because what he was at, like 18, 19 minutes per game last season? Yeah. Do you see that bumping up significantly? Because then he would have to, that would be anticipating that he'll play a lot of minutes at the two alongside either Kemba and or D-Rose, you know what I mean? But yeah, I'm, I'll throw that to you. Is there any concern about his minutes this season? I think there is some cause for concern for mm-hmm. his minutes. Um, I think last season we had Alfred Payton who, you know, Tom stubbornly played every game at the start of the game pretty much uh, until the very end and Alfred paid a solid at least, you know, 20 minutes a game maybe. Um, Kemba, I don't foresee playing any less than that. D Rose probably won't be playing any less than that either. Um, I know, but the thing is that D Rose is more open to playing less minutes. I think Kemba's going to be getting a bulk of the minutes at the point guard, and D Rose is going to be getting some. I think IQ needs to show out that he has that passing game, and he was doing it a little bit in the summer league. Uh, I think it was. I think it was the second game of the summer league. He dished out eight assists and dropped like thirty-two points. Mm-hmm. That's that's his potential right there. He just needs to start. He needs to live up to it on a more consistent basis because if he's not able to do that and he ends up being put on the two more, I'm a little – I might be a little concerned that he's going to be undersized. And we started seeing – you know, something that distinguished IQ earlier in the season and midway through the season was his ability to get fouls mm-hmm. and get fouled and start making – you know, getting a bunch of and ones. But that wasn't working in the playoffs, and that's why he was struggling mm-hmm. heavily. And even some games in the uh, the, the, the summer league, H, he kept trying to do they that. They changed the rules, I think, where like the, the refs are going to be, they're actively getting trained not to call that shit no more. So Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's going to affect guys like Trey Young and our guy IQ. Mm-hmm. And if if Quickly doesn't have the capability to do that and he constantly just has to shoot, and if, those, if at some point they don't all start going in, we know he's a natural shooter, but you know he's still a young kid. If that if that if the ball doesn't keep dropping in and he doesn't develop his passing game, I don't see his minutes going up mm. much more than it was last season. I don't, I see it capped off at just about 18, 19 minutes. So there is some cause for, for concern. I, I mean, I have no right to think that he's not going to develop the passing game, but at the end of the day, it's you know these are the best players in the world, so yeah. he needs to be able to keep up. And he wasn't able to dish out the ball consistently in the in the summer league with all these you know rookies and players who are just trying to make the NBA, if he starts playing at a level that we need him to play for us to maintain the kind of culture that we want the Knicks to be, being trying to be a top five team, even though no one thinks that we will be, he needs to he needs to build that 
passing and we're talking strictly about point guard yeah right yeah. i mean yeah, so no, I just, yeah i mean and he could surprise minutes in the context of the pg rotation but that yeah it was really about point guard but it's also like this is kind of a larger kind of conversation just about like positionally speaking in the nba like traditional point guards really aren't traditional point guards anymore you know what i mean so I think, like, there's definitely, like, you've got to look for IQ to become better as a passer and playmaker and just wanting to pick and roll and the nuances of, like, when how to read a defense in that context, right? And I think it'll come because, similar with big man, point guard is also, like, probably the, the, the position that's hardest to pick up for a young player and it takes time throughout the years, you know? And I think IQ's work ethic has been spoken about at, in depth throughout where he's kind of known as, like, a worker. We see, like, the Knicks social media posts it yada yada all, all his work coming in what he's doing and i just think the value he brings and the kind of faith the coaching staff put in him like i keep going back to last year uh, as far as tibbs's high praise for iq he called him before he even barely played a game i think he was saying iq was one of the best shooters in the league you know so i think that being said i think iq's minutes will be there and i think a lot of it going back to the previous conversation about mcbride or grimes I think those nights where Akemba and or D-Rose are designated to sit, IQ is going to be playing like 30 minutes those those games easy. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. McBride and or Grimes will step in 10 to 15 minutes, similar to how like when we had injuries, Knox and Frank would get those like baby minutes, you know, 10 to 15 like uh, minutes to see whether they go out there to shit themselves or not. Um, I don't think we need to worry about that with Deuce. <laughs> that boy would be shitting on people. I mean, but... ironically, ironically, I did, was, that, was that on purpose? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> did you did you hear what you just said? What I said. You uh, said you said, just put them out there to see if they're gonna shit themselves. And then you said, I don't know about Deuce. Ah. Ah. Uh, okay. So it wasn't intentional. I, I see. I, I never want to really find out the origin of why he's called Deuce. But if we want to just ma- maintain that he's just he just <laughs> he's just known for like just the nastiest dumps. And he's just that guy in the crew. Like yo, you Deuce, because <laughs> your your shit's be destroying our bathrooms. That's what I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a go down thinking. <laughs> but um, last question. I don't know how you want to take it, but I think since we're talking about the minutes, let me let me let me th- let me throw it at you. Let me throw it at right, you. Right, right. I want to I want to hear your take on it because we're talking about it's, it's similar to what we just talked about with IQ and the minutes and potential rotation. The other guy who stepped up big time in the summer league was one Obi Toppin. The Knicks' uh, top pick last season at number eight, and uh, we did see him pick it up in the playoffs. And summer league, he played awesome. So, when it comes to Obi and his development and his, you know, kind of position with the Knicks, can we expect him to play as part of a consistent ten-man rotation for the Knicks and play primarily back minutes with Julius or? You know, should we expect him to be kind of a, a trade bait throughout the season? What do you, how do you see Obi Toppin playing out this season? It's, it's, we keep it saying it a lot, but like all these are interesting questions because like the Knicks are finally an interesting ass team. You know what I mean? Like, knock on wood, you know, second good season coming in a row. But the whole, like, Obi himself is a humongous question mark to me. And that's like what's driving just my, like, my approach to answering this question. It's because, and this ties into Tibbs and his kind of rigid way of coaching. Last year, he would he never moved off of like the 10-man rotation. We got to the playoffs. He did it by necessity. He got Peyton out of there. We came, what, like a nine-man rotation? Maybe throw Frank in there for those like uh, misguided attempts for him to like come in for a minute or two to lock somebody down. It never worked. But yeah, he, he sticks to that 10-man rotation, which 
causes me to both worry about Obi's future with the team and also immediately like whether he'd even be able to carve out more, much more minutes than what he did last season. Future-wise, it's obvious Julius committed to the to the team, to the franchise. You know what I mean? And we had drafted Obi as that future power forward. I don't. He's not really looking like a center, and it will be a stretch to see him convert into a small forward, at least in the immediate future. So to me, when you bring up trade bait, I think that's what he is, bro. And I think he's destined, at least for the time being, this season, barring you know any any catastrophic injury for Julius. I think Obi's just gonna be that backup power forward, and we're gonna see like that same. Rigid. Not that I'm complaining, because I'd rather complain about rotations in a winning environment than complain about rotations in, in a tanking environment. Like, remember the conversations about, like, yo, why the hell is Mario Hazonia getting more minutes than Knox? Dark times, bro. So I'd rather have, like, these minutes conversations <laughs> in terms of, like, yo, we've got too many good players. But <laughs> with Obi, it's like... Yeah. Ideally, in, in in a in a kind of mo- I don't no shade at Tibbs. I love Tibbs. You know I love Tibbs. But in a kind of modern coach uh, mentality, and not to say I know more than any professional NBA coaches, but a modern quote unquote modern coach like Nick Nurse, he'd make Obi like the backup five. He'd do a nine to eight eight man rotation and make sure Obi and Julius spent plenty of time together. But that's not Tibbs. You know Tibbs is gonna make sure that he always has forty eight minutes of rim protection. That's why Mitch is coming back. He's going to be crucial. And Noel coming back is crucial. We got Taj coming back, too. And we forgot to mention him at the top, Jericho Sims. This kid lit it up in the summer league with his wild-ass mm-hmm. dunks. Like, this kid got drafted damn near as the last pick in the second round, bro. What the fuck? This shit don't happen to the Knicks. This is not supposed to happen to the Knicks. We just drafted, like, a raw-ass, like, athletic-ass fucking big man that could run the rim and, like, throw down dunks and is, like, some freak of nature. What? <laughs> when did this start happening to the Knicks? But, yeah, we got, like, that big man depth, and to me it says that, going back to Obi, Tibbs doesn't see him as a five at, at all, really, probably. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're not really going to see that. We didn't see Obi and, and Julius together on the floor last season unless it was, like, a situation where we had no big man depth. You know what I mean? Um, and, obviously, Obi was a rookie, so we probably wasn't going to see that that often anyway. But to go back to this question, that's why I'm thinking he's trade bait, you know? Like, I think that um, the season will come – and I'm not saying who he'll be bait for. You know, the Dame Lillard shit is out there. The Bradley Beal shit is out there. But I think Obi is not really destined to be, like, a super sub. He's not going to be a guy that's going to play 20, 25 minutes. Him and Julius are like the, the Bash brothers from Mighty Ducks where they come in and they're like mm-hmm. two power forwards that are just bullying the other people <laughs> across the court. Nah, that's not going to happen because I'd love it. I'd love for it to happen. But I think Julius flipping his narrative and turning into what he turned into kind of stamped Obi's fate in my eyes, you know? Like, I think Obi, his his agent being, like, Leon Rose's son, him being CAA, obviously, him being the first first-round pick of Leon. I think Leon envisioned, like, okay, we're going to bring in this young stud, Trey Julius, this young stud is going to be part of the core. That didn't happen, and what happened was actually good. You know, we had a good season, and Julius turned it around. But that's that puts Obi in this position, and from my perspective, I think he's just a backup that's going to act as trade bait. What about you? What do you think? You think we can see Obi at the five? You think we can see Obi as like a super sub? Like, what do you think? I uh, let's just say I wouldn't buy an Obi Toppin jersey. I wouldn't spend one hundred and thirty something dollars ah. for an Obi Toppin jersey right now. I see. Because I don't think it's gonna last for much, much longer at that point. Because with with Randall being who he is, he kind of solidified that he is gonna be 
playing that role at the number four. I don't think Randall can really play the five that well or really any other position except for the four. And Obi Toppin being a top ten pick, he's expected to be a starter. Yeah. That's that should be that should be the direction that he's heading towards. So at some point or another, the question is going to be brought up: At what point will Obi Toppin be a starter if he starts progressing as the way he should be? And his playing style, you know, minus the dunks and the alleys, is kind of similar to Randall in a way. He he does have a potential for a passing game. Mm-hmm. He is becoming a better three point shooter. Well, actually, never mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna cut that out. No, he's not. Gonna, <laughs> he's not that similar to him. But like, as far as like the position that he can play, he can only really play the four. Yeah. Um, unless you know he he might be able to play a small ball ball five. But when you have Noel and Sims on the team and Mitchell Mitchell Robinson on the team and Todd is back by the yeah, way, yeah. he's on the team I still. No. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, Always gonna Yeah, he, he's on the team. Yeah. So yeah, the Knicks have plenty of players to play the five that Obi wouldn't be successful there. Um. At this point, you know, the Knicks are kind of trying to set themselves up for a championship kind of team in the next couple of years. That's That should be the direction direction that they're heading towards, and you need superstars to get to that point. Whether it's Randall that's traded for a, an even better player or it's Obi Toppin being traded for a better player, one of those guys, I feel like, got to go in the next year or two. Yeah. And you know to, what I mean? So Just going to the, to that point, like, if you're talking about who's more likely to go, it's probably Obi just because, like, at the top of this conversation, we talk about how, how big of a, a, a benefit it was for the culture and the reputation of the franchise for Julius to re-up, for us to go around and just, like, trade him, pull a Blake Griffin on him, mm-hmm. like how the Clippers did. That would be a bad look. and be like, it will bring up the bad vibes with our franchise again. So I'm thinking with Obi. Exactly. It's also more bad vibes because he was like the homecoming. His mom was in the stands and MSG crying. That was beautiful. I I would mm-hmm. I don't want to trade him, but I'm just looking at the mechanics of roster building. Like you got a top ten pick that plays the same position as your newly minted All NBA player, and he's also 22 going on. To, no, he's 23 going on 24. Whatever the fuck, Obi's old as shit for a young player. <laughs> just just <laughs> yeah. put it out there. You know what I mean? And he's not, uh, uh, and we have a coach that likes playing two traditional big men, even though Randall isn't really the traditional power forward anymore. He's Mr. Point forward, but the point remains. So, yeah. yeah. And Obi might potentially, and it's not a bad thing, he might potentially be too good to be a backup exactly. you know, forward. Yeah. And right now, right now, as far as minutes go and rotation go, he should be in the rotation because Julius Randall led the league in minutes last season. He just signed for, to a four-year contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can't be forcing him to play those kind of minutes because we need him for for a few years so you know the way he was playing in summer league where he was shooting close to about 36 37 percent from the three uh you know crashing boards about eight eight rebounds a game um you know obi's gonna play solid at at the four i think he'll get decent decent minutes maybe you know just as much if not more than iq potentially just because that position's you know not as deep um but ultimately yeah, trade bait. I, I think you and yeah. I are on the same page for that. I think, honestly, like, it sounds like uh, it's going to sound like blasphemy, but if Tibbs wants to give Julius a rest day, yo, he'll be going to ball out. But I don't think that's going to happen. Tibbs, Tibbs ain't resting mm-hmm. Julius. But, yeah, I mean, we just hit on, what, like five questions, just try to cover as much ground as we can, but it's still a lot to talk about, obviously. Like, it's been a eventful offseason, not just for the Knicks, but just for the NBA as a whole. There's more to come, but as far as, like, the kind of recap we did sort of the off season and low key a season preview because we went into talking about rotations or what have you. I think we, you know, I think we did good just coming back on. You know what I mean? It's like riding a bike, bro. You don't forget. You mm-hmm. know? That's right. All right. So we appreciate y'all listening to this episode of Nickish. Stay tuned for more episodes where we're going to dive even deeper. We didn't get to mention, you know, 
what we think Tibbs is going to be in year two for the Knicks, how R.J. Barrett might be in all star this upcoming season. There's a, there's a lot to break down sure. uh, for the for this upcoming season. And with training camp coming in, there's there's so much more coming up. So we're excited for this upcoming season. I think most Knicks fans are upbeat. Knock on wood. This, this is it's a different kind of feeling uh, as a Knicks fan. So uh, we we hope that everyone here is excited for for the next season as much as we are. So. Again, we appreciate you guys checking out this episode. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nick's Show. Subscribe to our show on all podcasting platforms. We would appreciate it so much if you could leave us a five-star review so we can keep this going. Um, in any case, uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Until next time, take care. Peace. Peace.